So we come to the last chapter, and it's Jonah's response to the mercy of God. Um, a people who didn't deserve mercy uh, received mercy. And uh, the third chapter we looked at last week talked about this amazing revival transformation that occurred in that nation, in that uh, city of Nineveh. And so in the progression, we've seen Jonah run from God, and we've seen him run to God. And last week we saw him running with God as he was the messenger. In, in a, not, not a very <clears throat> user-friendly evangelism kind of thing, you know, this isn't God loves Nineveh campaign slogan. You know, this was 40 days and Nineveh is going to be destroyed. In uh, eight words, but and and then God chooses to change the plans. So we come today to uh, Jonah chapter four, running ahead of God, and that is uh, those times when we think we know better than God does. And if if you if you if you don't struggle with that, then I, I would simply tell you, um, hold on, because there will probably come a point in time where you will try to second-guess God and figure out that your plan is far superior to his plan. And so uh, I suppose that's what gives God a sense of humor or a smile occasionally. So I'm going to come to Jonah chapter 4. So follow along with me as I read. I'll read from the ESV again uh, in, in the story. Now we have, you have to kind of set it up in chapter 3, verse 10, where it says, When God saw what they did, the people of Nineveh, and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. And then immediately you get into that fourth chapter and you see Jonah's response. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is this, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God uh, appointed a plant, and it made it come and made it come over Jonah, so that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. <clears throat> this is what happened to my zucchini crop this year. 
There was there was bugs that messed mine up. So when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching wind, east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I and should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people, persons, who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Don't you, don't you hate it when God asks you questions that make you reflect a bit? And that was his approach with Jonah. So we conclude the series today. Unfortunately, God had at least one more lesson for Jonah. You'd think he would have learned, but we're, there's a whole lot of Jonah in some of us, most of us, I suspect. And it dealt with an issue of complaining, particularly when we know better about how things should go than God does. At least that's what we think. So running ahead of him is our focus for today. A couple things just kind of emerge from the story. The first is that we see that Jonah failed to see the fullness of the character of God. He's the prophet of God. He's the guy that should know about God and proclaiming the truth and giving the, the message. But he said in chapter 4, verse 2, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home, he didn't grasp the fullness of the character of God. There were some struggle points with it. In, in chapter 1 of, or chapter 4, verse 1 of Jonah, uh, there's another translation, the New Living Translation, NLT, and it puts it this way This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. This change of plans. Well, what was the change of plans? Well, the change of plans was that God is no longer going to destroy Nineveh. Now, I, I suppose from one perspective that the scriptures tell us, I am the Lord, I do not change. And that's his character. He does not change. But the way in which he responds to mankind, the opportunities he gives mankind, may indeed be a change of plans. It's not that it took God by surprise. And, and Jonah kind of had a little window into that when he said, isn't this what I told you? I knew that you are. Something about the character of God that he'll get to in a second. But he failed to see the fullness of the character of God. It was only... Only his perspective. He saw only the need of his initial message of judgment. Forty days, and then it was to be destroyed. Jonah's attitude had been quite clear from the very beginning. 
in, in, you could probably paraphrase it this way. He, he might find him saying, I'm fine, Lord, as long as you send them straight to hell. Pull the lever, open the trap door, do whatever you have to do, but send those people to hell. That's how Jonah felt. In the video, the Jonah presentation that we saw, we watched on Friday night, um, it, it went in a little more background, just kind of a little creative liberty or license that occurs with such productions. But it kind of harkened back to the occupation of the people of Israel by that invading country and the cruelty and treatment that, that the Israelites received. And in the story, of course, uh, Jonah's upset with Nineveh because they took his father into captivity and he ended up dying. And so he's equally mad at them. Now, again, that's not a chapter and verse kind of deal, but it's a little creative imagination. Just add a little bit more to the fire of this dis pleasure, this hatred that Jonah felt. <clears throat> the fact that God showed mercy to the people of Nineveh was a great evil to Jonah. That's a literal translation of the language of the Hebrew language where it says, and Jonah was greatly displeased. It was a great evil. When God shows great grace to Jonah, it's a great evil because he missed the full-orbed character of God. He missed the full-orbed nature of God toward men. Verse 2 says, I know that you are gracious and compassionate. You're slow to anger. You're abounding in love. You relent from sending calamity. He, he, he saw things only through his own perspective instead of understanding the full nature of God. <clears throat> Jonah failed to see beyond his own personal perspective. When, <clears throat> when Jonah uh, makes that determination and God asks him the question, are you, are you justified in being angry do you have a legitimate complaint at that point? He doesn't answer them the first time. Eventually, he comes to the answer on the second question, sure I am. The assumption is that he's probably feeling justified anyways. He fails to see beyond his own personal perspective. Jonah allowed his circumstances to skew his emotions. Some of you are old enough to remember uh, when Coca-Cola came out in those glass bottles. You, you remember those things, you know, the, the, the thick glass, you know, and the taper, you know, all that kind of stuff. And did you ever try to look through the bottom of one of those Coke bottles? You can't see. I mean, it's just really, really skewed. It's distorted. And I think probably Jonah was looking at Nineveh through the, through the lens of his Coke bottle and thinking that something some, something isn't adding up. God, you should be blasting these people because of the evil that they have done. It skewed his emotions, and so he struggles with a variety of things, none of which are ever struggles for us. And I'm so grateful for that because we don't have to deal with any of these issues. 
For instance, in verse 1 and down in verse 9, he deals with anger. Now, none of us wrestle with anger because we're all even-tempered, patient people. Never get our panties in a twist or knickers in a twist or panties in a wad. That's what your knickers in a twist, panties in a wad. You never get that. You just get your all just cool. And, and there are times when, when there can be a difference of opinion. And uh, it happens in marriages. It happens in friendships. I guess that's one of the nice things about kissing and making up. You get to deal with with that. But sometimes our anger just gets inside of. He also wrestled or struggled with suicide. How many times does he say in this particular portion of Scripture, Lord, I just want to die? Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt those feelings that make you feel like you're worth less or purposeless and you just want to pull the plug? Jonah felt that way. He struggled with his emotions in that. He, he was also sulking. Uh, check it in verse 5. Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city, and he made himself, and he sat and made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. He's sitting there sulking. Wait, now, wait. We, we don't do that. Our kids do that. But grown-ups don't do that. Well, once in a while they do. Like, yes, struggling with sulking. And struggling, struggling with his whole sense of happiness. How does he put it in verse 6? Then the Lord provided the vine, and Jonah was very happy about the vine. He could get really happy about something that was providing some creature comfort to him, but was not happy about the fact that 120,000 people plus made a wholesale change in movement to God. I think Jonah was more concerned about his reputation than he was the nature of the people of Nineveh. He was more interested in what they thought about him. Sometimes sometimes that's something we wrestle with as well. One person put it this way. When Jonah saw the city, he saw only the problems. When God saw the city, he saw the people. When Jonah saw the city, he felt anger. When God saw the city, he felt compassion. When Jonah saw their repentance, he got angry. When God saw their repentance, he rejoiced. Jonah had given up on the city, but God had not. Jonah wanted it destroyed. God wanted it redeemed. Jonah hated the city because it was full of sin. God loved the city because it was full of sinners. Jonah saw the sin and hated the sinners. God saw the sinners and loved them 
anyway. And that's what God does. We may be a good group of people to hear here today. We, we may be on the inside looking out. We might be rightly related to God and his Christ. But there are a lot of people who are not. They're on the outside looking in, and they need to experience the great mercy of God. And it needs to happen in every place that we have the opportunity to be salt and light for his glory. It seems to me that Jonah was more interested in himself than the work of God. And he was more interested in himself than the need of men. Sometimes we get so focused on our own problems and struggles and issues that we forget about the lostness of people. I don't know. This is not to minimize the problems that we deal with, but it is only to say this. The worst of the problems that we deal with are nothing compared to the issue of the lostness of men. No, no way of getting around that. So you struggle with anger, suicide, or sulking, or happiness, and you, you, these emotions, you, and you think, oh, no, no, woe is me. But when you compare those issues with the lostness of people, it pales in significance. So when you're in those modes, and, and God doesn't condemn Jonah from feeling these ways, he asks the question, are you justified? Are, are, you, are you right to believe or feel this way? He, he just keeps probing questions. And that's what God does. He just kind of has us reflect a little bit more about what's really going on. And we said from the very beginning, the problem that Jonah had was not with the people of Nineveh. The problem was with God and who he is and what his plan was. That's where the problem was. The irony of the story is this, that Jonah was fine with mercy when he received it, but he couldn't handle it when God showed mercy to Nineveh. One writer put it this way. I'll, I'll say it and I'll say it again. You can tell you have made God in your image when it turns out he hates all the same people you do. You can tell You've made God in your image when it turns out that he hates all the same people that you do. Um, we're, 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 we're in a very toxic political climate these days. And you might, you might be registered in one particular party, and you might be viewing the other party as demonic you might view them as people that you would be almost like Jonah feeling about Nineveh. For some people, they would look at California and say, I wish we would have an earthquake. Cut that part out and let it float out into the sea. Because they're, they're, they're on the left coast, you know, it's way out there. I think God has to do a work in our hearts. So we've got to be understanding that these are all just people who need Jesus. People who we have the opportunity to love on and demonstrate God's mercy. 
The real question boils down to this one. Will Jonah be happy with God only when God makes him happy? What will he do when God doesn't live up to his expectations? How will he deal with things? It's, it's, it's surprisingly easy to do the right thing for the wrong reason and still be blessed. But we have to be careful we don't stop there because God is never satisfied with just mere outward obedience. He wants us to obey from the heart with gladness and not begrudgingly. He'll send a vine, he'll send a worm, he'll send a scorching wind to reveal our inner rottenness so that our hearts might be transformed. If there's anything about Jonah chapter 4, it's a look into the heart of the person of God, the prophet of God, and see what's really in there. And there was stuff that he struggled with. And God, by his grace, just keeps probing and coming back and keeping after Jonah in the process. Another way of looking at the whole issue seemingly is that Jonah has two problems. On the surface, the problem is that he has no heart for the people of Nineveh. But the real problem is deeper. He has no room for a God who does. Jonah's real problem is God. His God is too small. And that's why his heart is too small. Who's the, who's the character, uh, the Grinch, whose heart was two sizes too small, five sizes, uh, two sizes too small. And so I think, you know, I'm wondering if sometimes there might be a little bit of Grinch inside of us. And sometimes our heart is too small, too small for God, too small for people around us. Finally, Jonah failed to see the greater work of God. In other words, God was doing something bigger than just Jonah, just his own parochial thing. He, saw, he, he failed to see God's work and providing for him. It's an interesting. You, you can pick it up on the language. Uh, God provided, verse 6, a vine. And then it gave him his shade that he needed. He's happy about that. Verse 7 says, at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. He, Jonah didn't like the fact that he provided a worm because that messed up his shade plans. But it's interesting that in, in, the, in the whole of the story, you can find God appointed a great fish. He provided it. The provisions of God, everything that Jonah needed, God provided. But Jonah was not happy with the provisions because it did not square with his view of the way God should work. Sometimes we forget about the provisions of God for us and, and we get all taken up with our world, our issues, and we forget the fact that God is providing and has provided everything that we have need of. And also he failed to see God's work in redeeming mankind. And he, he has that probing question at the end of chapter 4 where he says, You've been concerned about the vine. You didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell the right hand from the left. I don't think he's, he, I don't think he's telling them there's a bunch of idiots. 
I'm simply, I think they spiritually were lost in terms of their compass needed to be reoriented and true north to God. And, and, and they make that response. They can't tell the right hand from the left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? God is always still concerned about the great city around us. We've, we've observed in our nation, in our world, the, the move to urban centers. And you can talk about Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, urban area. You can talk about Philadelphia, Harrisburg, and Allentown, and greater Lehigh Valley, and all kinds of urban. There seems to be this move. And I know that we still have a lot of rural situations as well, but there's this urban movement for, for all, uh, a whole multitude of reasons. But that closing question in verse 10, should I not be concerned about that great city? God is always interested in people around us. There are three lessons essentially that come to us from the story of Jonah. First is that God loves Nineveh. God loves the city. God loves the people. The second is that God is still willing to do whatever it takes to get you to Nineveh. We, he still call, He hasn't changed the mission. He's still calling us to be salt and light to the people. And he's planted us in. And the third thing is that Nineveh still needs you. Wilkes-Barre needs you. Scranton needs you. Kingston needs you. Pick the place where you live. Thomas Carlyle wrote a poem called You, Jonah. And the last two stanzas go this way. <clears throat> and Jonah stalked to his shaded seat and waited for God to come around to his way of thinking. And God is still waiting for a host of Jonas in their comfortable houses to come around to his way of loving. Are, are we still living life trying to get God to come around to our way of thinking? Or are we willing to move to a place where we get around to his way of loving. It's too easy for us to run ahead of God. We think we have it all figured out, and he's supposed to work in a given situation, and we know what the outcome should be. We complain when things don't go our way or work out to our benefit. Do you find yourself today identifying with Jonah and letting God know how he's messing up, how he's missing the opportunities? Allow God to give you a better and greater perspective on things today. Come to him. Hear his voice of care for you as well today. So we've gone through Jonah and hopefully we have allowed God 
to speak to the Jonah in us and make the movement so we move to him, not from him. We move with him and not complaining, but coming around to his way of loving the people God put us next to. Sometimes those are rough people. Sometimes they have some jagged edges and they bump us and they bruise us. But God put us there and he will allow us to be salt and light to them in order that they might see the full-orbed character of God. He's full of compassion, merciful, loving, and he uses you and me to go to the Nineveh that's around us. So when God tells you what to do, let's do it. Do it. Let's pause for prayer. It has not been our intent to simply check off a box that says, well, we covered Jonah. It is our intent to hear your word to us. First, we want to thank you for the great grace of Christ toward us. For we were Nineveh at one point, And someone brought the message of life in Jesus to us. We made our response, and we turned from you to you. And we are grateful. You didn't have to do that, but your nature and character extended great grace to us, and we delight in that. We may find it a little bit hard to believe that you could extend that grace to some, some gang of people that, that, that live in such a way that it runs contrary. They, they, weren't, they weren't good people, these Ninevites. They were, they were brutal. We encounter people that sometimes aren't good sometimes that are brutal, whose words are very piercing like arrows, whose actions demean and abuse. And yet you love sinners like us. I ask, Father, that we will not soon forget the lessons of Jonah that you love the Nineveh around us. You love us. You want to use us. So by your great grace, do that for your greater glory. We'll thank you for what you'll do. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.